Go ahead. We're live. Listen, I have to burp, but I'm holding it in. I just wolfed down a whole sandwich. Come on in. There's still so much to talk about. Richard, Hans, Kuba, welcome. Community forum members, Patreon supporters, YouTube supporters. Love these guys to death. We have an amazing community, but there's so much to talk about. Let's just get started, okay? But make sure you can hear us, okay? Make sure you can see us, okay? And uh, comment section, great as always. Let's make sure it's respectful. But all ideas are welcome, but respectful, first and foremost. Producer wife, the the also the, the the true star of this show. Go ahead and pull us up with the first tweet that we have to cover. Did you know Tesla drop prices? Were you guys aware of this? I I what? just I just found out. Yeah, this is totally like super non-eventful, just super chill in the U.S. And so this is a global price drop that has happened happened for Tesla, but. A lot of this discussion is going to be U.S. centric, but we'll also look at other data sets as well. But I want to sort of level set the ground for everybody so everybody understands where uh, we can go. We, we have to go with this. So breaking Sawyer Merritt, Tesla has reduced their car prices massively in the U.S. The changes uh, Model 3 rear wheel drive is now forty three thousand dollars from forty six thousand dollars, a six percent drop. And I, I want to make sure I'm clear here. This is before the EB tax credit in the U.S. Model 3 performance, $53,990 from $62,990, a 14% drop. Model Y long range, $52,990 from $65,990, a 20% drop. That's a giant drop for that trim. <clears throat> and I think it says a lot. Model Y performance, $56,990 from $69,990, a 23% drop. So what's interesting about this uh, sort of place where we're at now with at least these four trims that Sawyer has shown, the Model 3 rear-wheel drive was able to take advantage of the EV tax credit and still is, but is now roughly call it, uh, you know, 3000 bucks cheaper. The Model 3 performance was 62000 Now it's 53000 So the 3 performance can now take advantage of the uh, tax credit as well. So the net price of that car comes down by another $7,500, at least federally. The Model Y long range from 65 to 52. You guys, if you follow this channel, you know I've been making a, a big hubalaboo, hub hub however they call it, right? Halabaloo? Uh, uh, Habalabaloo? Anyway, uh, to 52.99. Uh, with a $7,500 tax credit, that goes down to 45000 now. All right. And the Model Y performance is still above that uh, threshold. <laughs> My producer wife is like, what? In the, and I saw y'all's faces. Producer Y performance. From 69 to 56, technically the Model Y performance, because it is a five-seater, it doesn't come in five in seven seats, it's still not uh, eligible for the IRA uh, EV tax credit. But uh, within the context of everything that just has happened, uh, Tesla appears to have done two things. They've essentially opened the floodgates to say, this is where we are now. We don't, you know, whatever. <laughs> Here's our price and uh, deal with it. So let's go through a couple things. Pull up the second uh, thing that I I had you stage producer wife with the with the trending the charts perfect. Google search traffic for the following terms huge spi spikes last night, so the terms are Tesla Model Y Model Three Model X price. So go ahead and click on the first one and then we'll just cycle through them. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is Tesla search term. Uh, it looks like in the United States you can see that towards the end of last night there was a huge spike for Tesla the search term uh, into this morning. Uh, let's go to the next one. Perfect. Uh, Stuck in the middle somehow. Model Y, uh, search term, spike. Let's go to the next one. 
Model 3 search term spiked, but not as much as the Model Y, which is interesting, but it's still kind of rising through the, through the day. Let's go to the next one. Mo Tesla Model X price uh, spike and then kind of normalized towards the middle. So Tesla and Model Y, both of them are pretty big uh, spikes, and it looks like they, they've kept up where they are. Now, uh, the last thing I'll go through here, and then we can open this up to the discussion. Go ahead and um, pull up the chart uh, that I had you with the red lines um, from my Twitter. <clears throat> Excuse me. Go ahead and click on the picture, producer wife. Thank you very much. Uh, I put this together last night and this morning. So I've taken the the recent price cuts from Tesla, and I've and I've highlighted four different trims that uh, the non-performance models, and I've pegged them against every other uh, EV car maker in the United States, just to kind of get an idea of where these prices stand. So I've pulled in the Tesla three and Y standard and long ranges. And then I've also pulled in Volkswagen, Ford, Hyundai, and Kia as well with their respective competitive uh, EVs. Uh, and, and this is really uh, focused mainly on what I deem to be cars that are within the same class as the Tesla products. So it doesn't include the Chevy Bolt because it's like one or two segments below and it catches fire all the time. So I feel like people can't even drive the damn thing, unfortunately. But this is what the pricing looks like in relation to the competition. So there's two things I want I want you guys to focus on. So this table is sort of from cheapest price net after the EV tax credit if the car is eligible, all the way down to the most expensive. And then the last column is the dollar per range. So how much the car maker chargers, charges per mile of range you get from the battery. So two things stand out to me. Uh, number one is that the Tesla Model 3 standard range after the EV tax credit is almost uh, $35,000, which is what Tesla was trying to aim back in 2017 when they released the original Model 3. So six years later, you can still buy a Tesla for about $35,000, which I think says a lot. That, you know, COVID, inflation, supply chain after six years, that's an interesting thing that has happened. Uh, so that's one thing. Actually, there's three things now. The second thing is within the middle section there, you can see that the Tesla Model 3 and the Model Y, the Tesla Model 3 long range and the Model Y specs for the standard and long range, you can see that they're sort of stuck right there in the middle, right there in the middle of all these offerings uh, with a net price for the Tesla 3 long range, which is the second red bar at 42,490 after the EV tax credit. And this is a vehicle that has uh, all-wheel drive and 358 miles of range. And so why is this important? If you look at the last column, which is the dollar per range, I essentially divided, again, the cost, the net cost of the price to the customer divided by the range of the vehicle, $119 uh, per mile of range. This is 10% less than any other car, than the next best, which I believe is the Volkswagen ID4 long range, which is the third one there on the list. So from a cost competitive standpoint, it does seem like Tesla now has the cheapest per mile vehicle out there on the road within its class by far. And it has a very competitive offering versus everybody else uh, sort of in the mid range. And then if you notice like towards the end, bottom of the list there, and this is like the huge dis like discrepancy that has appeared because of this price change, the Ford Mach-E, the last one on the list, the long range SUV, uh, great car. Don't get me wrong, great car. But there's two things going against it. Number one, 
uh, it's a $63,000 starting price for that SUV for all wheel drive long range vehicle, but it's above the $55,000 IRS tax credit sort of threshold for Ford because the Mustang is not an SUV. It's a sedan, according to the IRS. God knows why. So now that if you compare the Ford Mach-E, the last thing on the list to its direct competitor from Tesla, which is the Model Y long range uh, all wheel drive, which is that one right there, there's almost a $20,000 delta between the Mach-E and the Model Y for like specs, right? And so th this is a huge thing that has appeared because of this and is something to track. But anyway, I would love to get y'all's reaction. We'll start with Richard, then Hans, then Kuba, and then we'll turn it into a conversation. And of course, in the comments, please let me know what you think about this whole thing. What are your thoughts? What's going through your mind? Let me know. Quick question about the data first, if you, if you don't Yeah, mind. of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where did you get the price for the Model 3? long range because it's not available still on the website inventory inventory okay. yeah there were some inventory models that i was able to pull the data from i think sawyer had an, uh, a sample of it you just grabbed it from it's not available for order but it does come up in inventory from time to time great question go ahead richard yeah yeah so i in when they in law school they what they teach you to do is they don't really teach you much of anything they teach you how to research and they teach you how to issue spot so i'm gonna issue spot so kind of the things that pop out to me are, I, I'd be interested to see what the additional cost savings that might be incorporated that we're not aware of. When, the, when China indicated that was the reason for their price reduction, there may be some truth to actual cost savings. I'm also interested in seeing what happens to margins. Um, how much are Marvin, margins gonna suffer or are they gonna suffer? If they don't suffer, then this is ridiculous. Right. If margins don't go down, then let's just close up everybody else and let's just go home. Um, if margins improve, then forget it. Um, but we I, I would expect some margin compression, some some drop just because the prices are dropping. Um, I, I don't know what the new platform might bring in terms of additional cost savings so that the prices can continue to drop. Demand would continue to go up and the margins would increase, which would be, again, phenomenal. I don't know how much the energy, you know, we're talking about the mega packs. I don't know how much the margins in that business are going to supplement the margins in the car business and will end up ultimately with the same 30%, but kind of in a different route with the cars being at a much lower margin. I, I don't know what the competition's going to do. How are they going to compete when they can't make money on what they have now and the prices are going down. How how is that work? I don't I don't see. I think they're dead. I mean, I think they're dead in the water. In a recession, there are gonna be a lot less cars sold. Period. If they can't compete price wise, and they certainly can't compete product wise, I mean, really, that that is a real death knell to a bunch of companies. And also, I think about BYD. You know, we talked about BYD being the you know in essence the competition in terms of volume with the price changes now, it'll be interesting to see if uh, they're now on par because it seemed like the economics in China drove a lot of buying decisions, irrespective of the product. And the other thing I was going to say is to keep in mind that the um, IRA, which every time somebody says it, I think of the Irish Republican Army, but when they say it, the IRS can change the rules. So even though like you, the Indian indicated the Maki is screwed right now. 
maybe after the IRS has a chance to reflect, there's a comment period, I guess, maybe after they reflect, they might modify the regulations or the interpretations. So kind of those are what kind of popped out at me. Hans? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Inflation Reduction Act is really the legacy bailout act. And especially after the actions that were taken by the IRS, I think that the Mach-E is kind of an unfortunate casualty of the desire to bail out GM and all the other like Ford actually creating a somewhat uh, viable full BEV <clears throat> puts the Mach-E in the same category as the Model Y, which they obviously did not want to subsidize for multiple reasons. First of all, Tesla doesn't need it. But second of all, you know, the vast majority of this $7,500 tax credit, if the Model Y is eligible, is going to go to the Model Y. And so it increases the overall sticker price of that bill tremendously if Tesla is going to be ramping up to millions of, and, you know, we don't know what domestic sales will be of the Model Y at prices like this, but definitely in the high hundreds of thousands per year. So that just balloons the overall cost of the IRA. And I don't think that that was something that anybody wanted to sign up for. So they wanted the Model Y out. And then, unfortunately, the Mach-E, by being close to the Model Y, got out as well because there was no way to create rules that kept the Mach-E in and the Model Y out. Well, now that Tesla's like, okay, here, take this middle finger, I'm going to put the Model Y under your $55,000 price cap. It's going to be eligible. We're going to flood the market with these vehicles. Um, that leaves the Mach-E standing in a really, really bad spot. And it wouldn't honestly surprise me now if they end up classifying both the Model Y and the Mach-E as SUVs because there's no point in keeping the Mach-E out in the cold at this stage of the game. Um, <clears throat> I think that's probably what I can add of value on the conversation for this part. We've got a lot more topics to touch, but we can go ahead and move on to Cuba for, for the moment. Go for it, Cuba. Yeah, maybe Tesla, they did it to spite the IRA or the government in general. Maybe they expected some mm, foolish games to be played and they had this as, as a, in their back pocket or a nice in the sleeve that they knew that they can lower to the to the cap that was known, right? So that would be an interesting development. Uh, and one thing I would also point out is that, that the price distribution among the models doesn't seem logical because, for example, why wouldn't the Model Y long range be at 54,990? That's over 5% more that you could earn easily and it wouldn't make any difference, basically. And the same possibly for, for the model free performance, because then people would choose whether they want free performance or they want Y long range and qualify for the credits. And then the Y performance could be way above the limit. And it's like 2K above the limit. It could be closer to 60K. And also a few few more percentage points on the on the margins. So that's quite interesting. Uh, uh, I wonder what, uh, what was the rationale Maybe if we analyze it a bit longer with time, we'll figure out what was the key to, to those pricing decisions. Yeah, 
that that's a phenomenal point and that's kind of where my where my head has been going with this is like you know i in in a previous life uh, before tesla i was a i was in charge of really coming up with the pricing strategies for a billion dollar company and if i look at the model y long range at 5299 i'm like why the hell is it not 5499 what are you guys doing you're leaving $2000 on the table so i think i think that sends a message for those that are paying attention i think one is um uh, Elon Elon Musk has come out and very openly said that Tesla's goal is to advance the advent of sustainable transport. So how do we do that? By maximizing the affordability of the the vehicles. Cool. So uh, this is something that could very well fit within that realm. Will it impact margins? Obviously, obviously, right? If if there's no mechanism on the backside that is allowing them to pass this on as savings to the customers, meaning. Since you know, since 20, 2019, when the pricing was around this area before COVID and the whole debacle that, that we went through, um, theoretically, in those three, four years, we would have had some sort of uh, improvements in manufacturing, efficiency, supply chain, localization, raw materials, right? There's a lot of work that has gone in. And it's not like, it's not like they're just sitting on their hands like this and chilling, right? Some ha Something has happened. Berlin has come online. Austin has come online. Shanghai is fully ramped. Fremont with Tom Zhu now is in there rejiggering the whole place and making it better, right? <clears throat> so this is cost savings somewhere that they're going to appear. So I wonder how much of this, and this is just speculation, and I'd love to maybe hear y'all's uh, thoughts because Richard kind of talked through this a little bit. Um, how much of this is Tesla now being at a point where having these factories ready to essentially go full bore, they know they're going to be able to generate a certain amount of profit from these vehicles that they're comfortable with, somewhere say, maybe in the 20 to 25% margin range. And now that full self-driving is coming towards uh, software 11, 11.3 uh, is supposed to be released soon, plus Berlin and Austin going live, they're like, you know what? We're comfortable passing this on to the customer because we're confident by the end of the year, we're going to be back to where we need to be, where we where our investors want, to, want us to be, which is around 25, 30%. And if that's the case, if that's the case, the implications from a financial perspective for this company are obviously great, but then everybody else is completely screwed, <laughs> completely screwed because you've retained your pricing power by doing that. And you're already competitive with everybody else because we know damn well that nobody's making money with these prices outside of Tesla. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. And they've been open about it. I mean, the four CEO has come out very openly and said, we're not making any money on the Mach-E. It's very hard to make an electric car at scale that's profitable. Surprise. Right? So any thoughts there? I, I see, Hans, you're off mute. Maybe you, you get started and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Well, I would definitely say... If you're looking at pure BEVs, no, no one is going to be making profit at these price levels. But when you factor in hybrids that have very little extra cost going into them, and I think that's exactly why that part of the bill never got cut out was because it was specifically aimed to allow legacy automakers to continue to have an area of safe profitability. And so they're going to continue to sell as many hybrids as they can, take advantage of the $7,500 tax credit on those. And that will be the one safe haven that they have to run to to protect their companies. Will it be enough? I doubt it. But that's the, the goal there. Um, <clears throat> but then to touch on what y'all have been talking about as far as the pricing, what this looks like to me just from 
and this is complete speculation on my part, but what it looks like to me is that these are some sort of fixed percentage margin price reductions that they're just going across the board. They're saying, okay, my cost of goods sold is X. And so new pricing on all vehicles is going to be X plus whatever, 25% gross margins, 20% gross gross margins. I would not be surprised if it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 20. I would think there's a number in Elon's head of this is, you know, he, he, The comments that he has made have been, we need to just maximize unit deliveries through this time of recession, even if that means we make negative net margins. um, I don't think that that's going to be negative gross margins, obviously. And so there's some number that he's got in his head, and maybe it's 20%, maybe it's 25%, maybe it's 15% that they're going to target as their markup. And um, they're reducing the prices to that level. What that means is they believe that through a combination of them increasing deliveries and demand coming down from the recession, that that's not going to result in year-long or year-long plus wait times for these vehicles, um, which is an interesting commentary on where Elon sees the, the economy and the recession going. Um, But ultimately all of that is exactly in line with the mission of Tesla because we get the maximum number of vehicles on the road and we make them affordable to people who've never been able to afford them in the past. We're continuing to march down the cost curve that Kathy Wood and the rest of the ARK Invest team have preached to us for a long time. And it's one step closer to that third generation vehicle. And there's not nearly as much of a gap now between what a third generation platform looks like, you know, if it were to come in at $25,000, well, the gap between $25,000 and $36,000 is a lot smaller than the gap between $25,000 and 40 something plus. Yeah, there's there's a comment I want to address real quick. Producer Wife, can you bring it up? Uh, $7,500 tax credit equals 2000 off. That's all. Your charge is wrong, misleading. I don't understand that. Maybe Stanley help us understand a little bit better. Maybe he's saying that if you're, you're, you owe less than uh, $2,000, that's all you can get. Uh, you know, that's that's it's all based on income. So it's up to $7,500. And, you know, that that's that's a good point. I mean, we can go with that, but I don't think it's it's wrong or misleading. I think it's up to $7,500 you can receive off your EV. Um, if I you wonder owe if less he's than... talking about the Model Y performance now that the, the performance is the only one that's left off the list. Having to go to the seven-seat option to get under the price cap, I think the, the seven-seat is now a $4,000 upgrade. And so okay. that would be close to what he's saying there. That would be like thirty. $500, which still is not, I don't know. I'm not sure what he's Yeah, I, I don't know exactly. what they mean. Yeah, so Stanley, maybe in the, the comments. The seven seats in the performance, though. Yeah, you can't get the seven seats in the performance either. So, yeah, Stanley, maybe let us know. Again, I don't, you know, I don't want to just say that this is, you know, not right, but let us know what you mean so that we can address it. But I, I am quite confident that this chart is correct. Uh, okay. Sorry, Hans, I didn't mean to uh, derail the conversation. Anybody want to jump on what Hans was saying? Yeah, I was yeah gonna, that was the end of what I had to say. 
Yeah, I was going to say, um, kind of in response to what you were saying, I think there's probably a carryover on that $7,500 tax credit too, although I haven't heard anybody talk about it. So if you can't use all of it the first year, you probably are able to take it over the next year and use it that way because a lot of times, I don't know, but a lot of times that's how credits will be applied. I was thinking about the uh, the this issue about the price, and I was thinking back when I was a kid, they used to, you know, L, I'm in L.A., so in L.A., we're, we have tons of cars, unfortunately, and they used to have these commercials where these used car dealers used to come on and they said, you know, and they weren't joking. Well, they were somewhat joking. Uh, we sell our cars at, at a loss, but we make it up in volume. That was their position. So I was thinking about it. Obviously, the volume is going to be astronomical. And I was thinking there's nobody else making any volume of cars. So it's, you know, we talk about losing market share, but are we going to really lose market share? If we're producing, you know, increasing number of cars relative to everybody else, and if the ICE cars are going to go down in in sheer number, especially during a recession, it seems like our market share will not decrease. And then I think, how is how is anybody who in in a cash poor position, how are they going to be able to expand right now to be able to increase their volume during a recession? And I think every, you know, all the startups and probably the legacies, they're kind of screwed in that regard too. So I think in essence, what's going to happen is Tesla is going to have more advertising. There'll be more cars on the road. It's going to kind of be self-generating a greater market share, which is going to generate more sales. It's going to be a, uh, you know, like a cycle. Yeah. I think I think what's interesting about this conversation here, there's two things going on, right? So one is that from the standpoint of Tesla becoming a market leader, uh, flooding the EV uh, market, flooding the auto market, and positioning itself to be really the the winner from that perspective, from a unit volume perspective, and offering the best product. I think I think all of us would agree that's listening to this that are are, are on the boat that say that Tesla has the best product. That this move unequivocally, sub objectively, is going to be a giant pain in the ass for everybody else. I think that's an accurate, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to debate this, but I, I, I feel like if you debate the other side, you're, I think you're going to lose. Okay. <laughs> Just to be completely honest. So, so I think that completely rewrites the, uh, the narrative, the rhetoric that says competition is coming for Tesla, right? This price change, I believe what it has done, it has solidified Tesla as a competitor to everybody else, regardless of if you're an EV or an ICE vehicle. We already knew this, but now this is and now this is shouted very loudly. And the reason why it's because Tesla is no longer a low volume manufacturer. They're they're going to be able to make they have production for up to and over two million cars per year globally. That is nothing to sneeze at, y'all. That's I believe if you put it within the context of all auto manufacturers, it's probably top ten. Of, of all manufacturers in the world from a volume perspective. Volkswagen, number one, Toyota, number one, two, GM, four, three, and four, Stellantis, five, um, Hyundai, Kia, six. You know, it's somewhere somewhere in the top, top 10. And within that context, I think the, the, the big question becomes, what does this mean from a stock perspective? What does this mean from the standpoint of um, wh what's the stock market going to do? And what are they going to think of the earnings, you know? So there's a couple of things that I share with producer wife. If you can go ahead and pull up Gary Black's tweet, um, friend of the show. 
uh, so Gary Black, this was a tweet from uh, this morning. If analysts actually run the Tesla volume pricing margin math, they'll see these price cuts don't materially impact Tesla's valuation. And so the what the uh, <laughs> and then of course I have to be snarky, but that requires them to do math, Gary. That's all. That's a tall task. Of course, I had to do that, right? So the, <laughs> on Twitter, I'm a, I'm I'm a kind of a different person. I'm very sarcastic on Twitter. So what this means is that the net profitability, the net. Uh, income that Tesla should be able to generate in 2023 versus 2022 should be about the same. They'll be selling a lot more units. The margin is probably going to be lower per vehicle, but the net dollars that come to Tesla's coffers is going to be about the same as how the company's value today. Because the the, the prevailing thought process is, is that if you ship more at lower margins, the net dollars you get in is about the same. Okay. If you uh, pull up... Um, Actually, let's Can stop I, there and, and yeah, please. I just had one comment there. I would almost guarantee you that Gary Black is using a margin estimation that is conservative and will likely prove to be conservative. And that Tesla, if Tesla outperforms on Gary's margin estimate, then they'll drastically outperform with the amount of volume that they're selling on total net profits. Right. Um, and so if thank you for pointing that out that they're 100 percent right, I, I believe. And then if you pull up the uh, the Yahoo Finance link real quick, producer wife, I want to just real time look at how the market is uh, reacting to some of these news, because there's some some interesting stuff going on. So Tesla currently is down 2.8 uh, percent uh, versus where it opened. Nasdaq, if you look up there, it's about even uh, S&P is about flat at negative one point one eight percent. Go ahead and type in F at the uh, at the search bar there, which is for correction for that because it opened much lower, and so it it I think it gained three percentage points. I gained three percent from the yeah, so it's down from its op uh, it's down from yesterday's, but it's up about three percent from the open. Thank you. Um, so Ford, uh, I'm assuming on these news is down six percent. Go ahead and type in GM at the top there, producer wife. GM is down five percent. From uh from from yesterday's prices, right? So it's it's interesting seeing how the market is reacting to some of this. I encourage everybody to kind of go look at uh, the different car companies and see. Actually, let's put type in Rivian. I'm curious. Yeah. Rivian's down seven percent. Um, do Lucid. Okay, not bad. Um. Because they, they, you know, they, they sold two thousand cars last or four thousand cars last year. They're doing great. Uh, well, let's do one more Volkswagen. You may have to type it out. Uh, yeah, Germany. I believe they're trading in Germany. Yeah, that might be right. I two percent. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's interesting how the, how the market is digesting these news. So so Tesla versus large automakers. Volkswagen, they're trading about the same, but Ford and GM are noticeably lower. Um, Xpeng. Yeah, let's do Xpeng. So X-P-E-N-G. And Polestar, maybe. There it and is. That's right. And Neo. Yeah. So do Xpeng. Down three. Do Neo. N-I-O. Go ahead. Down two, and do uh, is BYD? Are we going to be able to look up BYD? Just try, try do BYD. Yeah, it's an OTC. 
so BYDDY. Is that right? Click on that. See what it does. Okay. I don't know if that's true. It, it's okay. So it's about flat. Okay. Perfect. Uh, any any thoughts? Um, any continued thoughts? I do have a chart I want to show where I kind of model out the profitability for 2023 based on some of the numbers we threw around. But um, yeah, I, I just want to make sure y'all get some airtime. Any any thoughts? Any topics you guys want to hit? I was going to say that kind of along along the lines with Gary said it, it's basic you know basic math. You're right. If you send if you sell 10 million cars at 20 percent margin, you make more money than selling two million cars at 30 percent margin. I mean, that's the way it is. And as, as volume goes up, your need to have the same margins decrease. And I think that's what he's saying, in essence, in his uh, right. remarks. Um, Hans, Kuba, any any thoughts before we, we do some uh, some nerdy stuff on Google Sheets? Do you guys want to do the nerdy stuff? Oh, you guys want to do nerdy stuff. All right. Go ahead and pull up the, the Google Sheet. If you all like nerdy stuff, you're in the right place. Uh, so go to Sheet 1. So this is my quarterly uh, model thing that, I, that I've done. So scroll down a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Perfect. Stop. Well, a little bit more. Okay, good. Uh, up a little bit. <laughs> okay, perfect. So too much. I, I want the last, the last two that says margin at the bottom, I want that to show. So maybe uh, scroll down a little bit. Yeah, where it says auto GM energy. Okay, perfect. Right there is perfect. Okay. So what I did is I, I took my Q4, what I think is going to come in at, which is uh, 39, 37 net income, which is line 32 there on the sheet. And then, uh, and this assumes a 5% drop in price Q4 versus Q3 because of all the incentives in China and the US. If we assume an 11% drop, in Q1, so that's if you look at line, what is a 69, an 11% drop in average sales price, but also a reduction of costs by about 6%, because that's what I'm assuming is going to be the, the benefits from localizing supply chain, localizing um, materials, uh, Berlin and Austin being ramped, Shanghai going full bore, deflation, right? I'm assuming that Tesla's going to be able to get at least 5% savings in their in their COGS, all right? But I'm, but I'm also saying because of all these price changes globally, it's going to be an 11% decrease from Q4, which they've already, you know, we, we know that's already happened, run about, could be more. Uh, after all those numbers are done, Tesla, with a modest increase in energy, not too much of an increase in energy, uh, would still generate almost $3 billion in net income, which is line 32. And I, it would do I, this. Can I ask you a question? Please. On, on the ASP uh, Delta and yep. the, the two different numbers, are they calculated on the same number? So your 5.73% savings in cost, is that, previous. On, is that on the same cost? Is that the same X as the 11.44% Increase. It's the same X, but from the previous period. So, so uh, in column E, where it says 5.73, negative 5.73 for uh, average selling price delta, that's a 5.7% decrease from Q3. And then in F, it's a 11.4% decrease from Q4, and it's on the same variable. It's just, that's literally just auto sales. So sequentially divided by the estimated deliveries for that period. So here's another very important point is that in Q, in, in column F, where it says deliveries there on row 59, I'm assuming Tesla is going to sell roughly, um, I'm sorry, uh, what, yeah, 59, 450,000 deliveries. 
So it's an ASP reduction of 11% or 450,000 deliveries. That could be low, right? Because in Q1, Tesla produced 447,000, 441,000 cars, 440,000 cars, which means that all they have to do is just deliver the same number of units they produced in Q1 or Q4 rather. So that assumes no increase from Berlin, Austin, and Shanghai in Q1, which to me feels conservative. So if that number goes up and the delivery number goes up, which then flows down to the net income and that $2.8 billion number becomes $3 billion, $3.5 billion, $4 billion. And I think that's what Gary's getting at. It's that, it's that sort of like mechanism. Under this scenario, this assumption, if you go to column, uh, row 77 um, on the auto GM, the way that shakes out with those decreases is an auto GM of 23%. Um, but I'm also assuming an energy GM gross margin of 15%, but it's a relatively small number to the rest of the business, uh, which is an adjusted EPS of 92 cents, which would be lower than Q3 and what's projected for Q4. But in the end, what's important to keep in mind here is that I wonder how the stock market will uh, process this in the next few weeks as we go into Q1 earnings in the future, because the company's still making money. <laughs> it's still making Quite a bit of money, just not as much as they would have if they were at the original price of selling 450,000 cars. So thoughts, questions, concerns, go for it. I would just add that your estimate might not be that uh, pessimistic for 450K deliveries, because remember that we'll have the extended uh, shutdown over Chinese New Year in Shanghai. Good call. Lose quite, a, quite a bit of production in January. Good call. Thoughts, questions, concerns, anything you guys want to go off of from this chart? You guys are still studying it. If not, I actually wanted to bring up and actually shows in your calculations as well, but from another point of view, is that yep. those drastic cuts that we saw last night, they actually indicate that they had actually room to make those cuts, as we discussed before, in the, in the lowered costs. So that might actually mean that the the hit on margins because of the end of year rebate of 7,500 might not be as much as we feared because probably already at that stage, they had the lowered uh, costs that enabled them to do those cuts. Now it's only a few weeks later. Mm. And this somehow shows in your uh, spreadsheet as well, where the uh, decrease in the, in the average selling price is similar to the decrease in cost. That's right. That's right. Go ahead, Richard. I was going to say, so it's going to, you know, give uh, fodder for those arguing the demand issue, obviously. They're going to argue that they had to lower the price to get the demand they wanted. And I think that's going to be really judged by the margins, what they end up being. And ultimately, you have to keep on increasing the sales and either keeping the margins the same or increasing them because that would suggest that your demand is then stable at that point in time. But I think that's what we're, we're that's the challenge. And until we convince those about demand, the institutions won't feel entirely comfortable. They'll think we're manipulating the market in a, in a way, in, whether we sell them or not. Yeah, it's it's just such an interesting thing to like think through now. Now that now that Tesla has decided to to put itself in this in this sort of pricing positioning versus everybody else, um, it's going to be so easy to target, you know, make, make them into a target of, well, you had to do this because your demand sucked. 
but there's still 60% plus of the EV market before these price cuts in the US. They're still selling a million units out of the Shanghai plant. They're still ramping Austin and Berlin. So, you know, really they're just poo-pooing what they expect Tesla to do from an earnings perspective. Um, but there's an opportunity to surprise here. So part of my optimistic, my optimistic gut tells me that these price cuts obviously uh, are done to allow the EV tax credit to also take hold for some of their trims. I do really believe so. And it's kind of like a, it's sending a message as well. I think there's a portion of it too. But, but I really do think that Tesla is seeing a lot of things in their supply chain and the cost signals that say that they're quite comfortable passing this on from a cost perspective and energy ramping and full self-driving becoming what it needs to be. Those are the signals I'm getting is that the rest of the business is going to be able to make up for this. And if that's the case, then what's going to happen to if I'm right, not investment advice, is that all these analysts that are expecting the earnings to drop when Tesla really ramps up volume are going to be in for quite a surprise because now they're going to have a stock that not only is growing its deliveries like crazy, but it's also retaining, if not improving their earnings quarter over quarter because of these other businesses. And of course, that's the bull in me. That's the over-optimist in me that thinks that thinks this could happen. But if, if we really focus again on what is Tesla's core competency versus everybody else, manufacturing, speed, making stuff as efficient as humanly possible, this is where it shows up. It's in these numbers. You make more units for more money. And you have other things you've worked on that you can make money on. And you have things that nobody else can do, like full self-driving and implementing a single piece casting with a structural battery pack with a 4680, right? That This is where the numbers show up. So is it really that unrealistic for us as, a, as Tesla bulls to say, this is where it's going to go, right? We'll see. But this is the writing that I'm starting to see on the wall. It's like all the guys that are that say it's impossible that this is going to happen, you might still end up in a situation by Q4 of 2023 where Tesla has 20%, 18% net income percentage and they're shipping 2 million plus cars per year and they're releasing the Cybertruck and they've announced a compact car and full self-driving is basically done. Okay. Good luck. Any thoughts? Hans, I see you're off mute. Yeah, I mean, it's just telling that that's what the narrative is right now in a lot of the finance media when the demand for legacy auto vehicles has obviously been declining. Like it has not rebounded yet since the COVID supply chain restrictions and no one is really sounding a whole bunch of alarms about that. It doesn't seem like, whereas a little bit of just cutting price to continue to increase sales and deliveries. They're looking at that like it's the end of the world. Well, wait a second. If these other companies are seeing continual delivery decreases, other than, you know, GM was able to basically maintain flat. Well, and they have reverse economies of scale. The fewer cars that they ship, the less they're able to cover their fixed costs um, you know, this puts them at quite a disadvantage. Oh, and then wait a second. They didn't even have the margins to begin with. Well, no one else has the ability to weather this kind of storm. And so to me, it's incredibly bullish. 
that Tesla had the structural margin capability to begin with to lower prices like this, you know, this is something that's going to be necessary for survival. And the fact that no one else is in a position to be able to make these type of price cuts to ensure the survival of their business is an existential risk. And I know, you know, we've talked about that at length and uh, you've been beating that drum for a while now, Farzad, but, you know, it just blows my mind that the finance media can't wrap their head around some of these, what seem like very basic points. And, um, you know, they're out there trying to tell everybody that, oh, Tesla's story is at risk. Like, come on, get serious. Nuts. Let's contextualize this. Can you pull up the tweet I just shared, producer wife? So what Hans is talking about um, uh, in, the, in the private chat, if you can pull this up when you get a chance. So Hans is talking about, uh, and go ahead and click on that image. Uh, the U.S. auto market in 2022 versus 2021, before these price increases, Tesla is up 44% year over year. GM is about flat. Everybody else is down. Y'all don't think these price decreases is going to hurt everybody else and help Tesla, y'all? Right. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> this is what Hans is pointing out. This seems like a very big story. When an automaker can make two million cars globally per year and is able to flood the market with these with these vehicles and still make money on them. Again, we did an exercise where they're still with these price decreases, roughly 20 percent margin, which, by the way, is better than anybody else still. And forget about the, the their total business. This is just building EVs. No one else is making money on EVs. How does how does this help this? How does this help this? It makes it worse. I my prediction, and I think Hans's prediction as well, right? So, um, go ahead, Richard. I see. I see you. You want yeah, to? Yeah, I was going to say that this is pre recession, right? So, pre recession. Yeah, it's going to be a joke. The red is not going to certainly be green. It's going to be redder, and uh, we're, we're, this is going to be bigger volume. You know. So, what I was going to say is two things. One, I want to know what's behind Hans's back if that's a refrigerator or a safe and what secrets are in there that's number one number two is like just the way the price changes were made that is elon that is like somebody having you know we should change the prices so let's do it now uh you know for gm or ford or anybody like that to do that they'd have to go through a corporate structure it'd take them like you know if they could come to some agreement it would take them six months to a to a year to do it they'd already missed the recession they'd be behind the team so i think you know we criticize elon a lot of times justifiably but in these cases his ability to make quick decisions and basically take responsibility for it however it turns out but to be dynamic and act upon what he thinks that's brilliant really Yeah, and coming back to the fact that those uh, amounts seem to be a bit arbitrary and not aligned with the with the incentives, it might also be a bit of a flex on the part of Tesla to to make the competition even more scared. Because when you're the competition and you see like they left a few thousand on the table on each car, holy damn, we're screwed. Yeah, it's it's a it's a message. It's a big message. Um... Let's let's start uh, taking in some some questions from now, producer wife. If you want to ping, I know we still have a uh, probably around another forty five minutes, but I think it's probably not a bad idea to do an extended Q and A towards the end. But because uh, there's just so much to talk about, but let's make sure we hit anything big that you guys want to talk about before we do that. So Hans, go ahead, and then we'll go around. Yeah, I did want to just say in the context of these price cuts, resale value is going to be 
probably a topic of conversation. And so it does kind of suck for people who just spent a bunch more on their cars. And if they need to get out of those cars now, they might be underwater on their loan. Um, Hopefully they can hang on to them for a while. You know, at least you are getting great gas savings. And so that helps. Um, But yeah, I did just want to extend a little bit of sympathy to people who are going to be in a little bit different position financially now because the resale value of their cars is going to be lower. Unfortunately, that's just an inevitability when heading into a recession like this. Um, And then, yeah, these price cuts are not helpful for that. But that said, long-term mission, this is obviously a huge positive this makes the vehicles a lot more accessible like we've talked about it grows the tam um and then in the used vehicle segment let's not forget about those impacts you know this makes the value of a used tesla obviously you know as that goes down used teslas become more accessible to people and so you know there can reasonably be probably in the not too distant future used Tesla is selling in the 15, 20, $25,000 range that are out in the marketplace. Um, and that will also be a whole new segment of buyers who will have access to the world's best BEV. So um, I'm excited about that potential um, since that will probably be my entry point into Tesla is getting the used vehicle. Um, so selfishly, I, I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, there's two sides to that coin. That's a great call. Um, Richard or Kuba, what, what do you guys want to hit? Yeah, I can I can add some context on that from a bit of a different angle because I have a Model Y on order in Poland uh, and I was the, the prices in Poland also c- came down significantly last night and I was considering dropping my order and creating a new one even though I would forfeit the, the reservation charge. But uh, this morning I got an email that they will update my order automatically within 48 hours to the new lowered prices, which was a surprise because I wouldn't have thought that they really care, but that was actually quite nice. Um, and what else I would say is that uh, uh, one thing that we forgot, I think, uh, that's also part of the of the IRA, is the tax rebate for the manufacturer of battery cells and battery packs. Good call. And I think that's behind what enables Tesla to go with those uh, steep reductions as well, because they'll collect both of those. And I think they might well as well be the only car manufacturer that can collect both of those tax rebates. Yeah, that's that's a great call. So this is another, I think the math that I saw what was a $30 per kilowatt hour, something like that, right? Yeah, Which, that, that ballpark, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a, basically a assume $100 per kilowatt hour pack level. That's basically a 30% savings on the cost of the battery. A battery typically costs call it uh what eight you know six to ten thousand dollars to make so uh 30 percent off of that it's another eighteen hundred dollars call it on the low side so that's eighteen hundred bucks they get back well if it's if it's long range 80 kilowatt hour times 30 so it'll be almost two and a half thousand bucks that makes sense so then on the long range for the model y that's 2500 that goes back into margin essentially uh pure profit um hans i saw you go off me go ahead that was just that exact point yeah the 25 Kuba okay, got to it. it. Oh, Richard. And one more oh, thing on the order on the order book, if you if you may. Uh, I know a few, a few people actually in Poland that they ordered uh, the plat versions some long time ago before they uh, banned importing to Europe, 
and now they started sending them here towards the end of last year and they're really happy because they are going to buy them ride them a little while and then sell them for even higher and that went out of the window yesterday as well because now the the prices for plat are also below what they used to be yeah the other thing that i will say is all of this is great news for the affordability of the forthcoming Cybertruck. This means that the price increases that we were kind of afraid of seeing with the Cybertruck, I still expect them to be a little bit higher, but not nearly as much higher as they were before. And then to build on the battery manufacturing credit portion, you know, if you've got a 200 kilowatt hour battery pack in a Cybertruck, well, that's $6,000 worth of tax credits on that battery pack for the Cybertruck, which helps them to be able to deliver that vehicle at a much more attractive entry price. So yeah, all of that is very exciting. I was going to say, I always find interesting or find interesting how they deal with their lease returns. Like that's like the hidden uh, income, right? Because those aren't new cars. Those are, but those are three-year leases. They return, you can't buy them. And um, the pricing on that is interesting, one. But two, it's like extra production that we're not counting into the totals. So I think we might get a little surprise from that because those have increased over time as the volume of cars have increased over time. That's a great point. Uh, there, there is a couple of things I want to show. Um, I ran a poll. I don't know why my Twitter is not like showing my latest tweets. This is very annoying. Freaking Elon. So distracted with Tesla. Should be fixing Twitter. Get it? My God, I'm going to get hate for that comment. So go ahead and pull this up. Uh, this tweet, producer wife, on uh, that I just posted on Twitter. And I'm looking for something else. Rob had a chart where he was comparing the prices of the Model Y from 2021 through today. But go ahead and, uh, and ooh, okay, here we go. Producer wife, what are you going to do? Will you place an order? So the, the poll is, Tesla has cut the price of its models in the US across the board. Will you place an order for one of their cars? And it's 3,600 votes uh, so far. Which one are you going to choose? Then, <laughs> damn it, I thought we were getting a new Tesla. So. 24 so out of the uh people that have so if you remove C results which is what producer wife did to see what's going on looks like call it there's about a split between definitely will and thinking about it and definitely won't is the by far the minority so if we kind of split up C results into the three that's about 12 points each so call it 36 percent definitely will about 40% are thinking about it. And what is that? 21% definitely won't. Just on a small sample size of 3,600 uh, votes thus far, it started two hours ago and there's 22 hours left. So it's just a poll that I'm trying to gauge. So it's going to go for another 22 hours on my, on my Twitter. And I'm asking everybody to just retweet this to as many people as humanly possible to see what kind of a uh, what kind of responses we get. So if we extrapolate this out, 24%, so one fourth of, let's call it 3,700 votes, is almost a thousand people. So in Twitter land, uh, there is at least a thousand people, almost a thousand people that will definitely buy Tesla based on these uh, price cuts. So that that's just something, if you extrapolate this out to the Twitter base, 
somehow in Tesla fans or whatever, one uh, roughly call it 30 percent ish of people that uh, will buy a Tesla based on these pie scrubs. Um, yeah. And there was another chart. I'm trying to look for it where Rob compared the freaking prices of the Teslas for the last uh, three years. And basically the takeaway was that the it were back. <laughs> we're almost back to pre COVID levels for these cars for, for the net price, which again, your point around Cybertruck is a Cybertruck will come in at a very affordable price. And then the compact car, talk about the compact car and the robo-taxi once that gets announced here, hopefully in the next year or so, then one would say that now that you have a Model 3 with the tax credit at $35,000 sold, then that compact car realistically, very realistically, could be well under $30,000 net to the customer in, in, in the coming year or two. So there could be a Tesla out there, a compact Tesla, that's going to cost somewhere between twenty-five to $30,000 uh, for somebody to purchase, which talk about the demand there. So, I, I thought your poll was interesting that it only got 9.5% that said absolutely not. You know, because of all the crap we hear about Elon and oh, yeah. uh, the strident nature of it, it was interesting that was a fairly small. And I was thinking the ones that said, I'm thinking about it, might be those who are like they really don't Elon like Elon, but they really and they don't want to admit it, but they really like the product and they're going to go ahead. I think that's again yeah. human nature, kind of in that respect. Yeah, I never bought. I, you want to pull up the the poll again, producer wife? I never bought. You know, I completely understand if folks have been upset about Elon's sort of divisiveness on Twitter and his politics and stuff. I totally get it. But my my whole premise has been for the entire time that when I actually talk to people, most people don't care. And those that kind of care ultimately are going to make the best decision with their wallet that's going to bring them the most joy and value for each dollar spent. And I think it's hard to argue that Tesla has a product that positions itself extremely well within that context. So and this is proof. I mean, this is, you know, this right now is in the in the Tesla bubble. It's in the Farzad bubble and it's bouncing around. I'm trying to get it out by people retweeting. But even in this bubble that have very ardent supporters that are very anti-Tesla, only nine percent within the within the subset that was asked say definitely won't. You know, I definitely won't, right? And then the people that were never going to buy a Tesla anyway are definitely not going to buy a Tesla after what Elon said. But that in between number, I don't think there's that many people that care. And so I think this might might be um, might be representative of that. Uh, producer wife just shared a link. Uh, what was the link? Let me see. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, pull up that video at uh timestamp 116 and then we'll look at this real quick and then we'll go into q a thank you hans for sharing uh this video um we'll give producer wife a second and then and then while we pull this up uh, everybody we are going to enter a q a portion here very shortly uh, an extended one for about half an hour so do drop your questions uh, producer wife will only pull up the best ones and then we'll uh we'll do a q a session so there is okay. rob mauer's beautiful face at the top right there go ahead richard Good. No, please. Please. I was going to say, is, are, you oh gonna go ahead, are you going to go ahead and do what you said before we were we started that the best question you're going to buy a model plaid for the best question? Oh, yeah, I totally I totally remember saying that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, somebody hey. donate for that. <laughs> yeah, let's everybody donate so we can do that for somebody. All right. So go ahead and can you maximize the screen? Um, producer wife, so it's a little bit easier for everybody to see. It's the the little uh, square thing at the bottom. No, the on the on the video, if you can hit the, I just want the numbers to be as big as possible. Yeah, perfect. So, 
start of 2021 here's model 3 model y model s model x again thank you rob mauer for putting this together uh tesla daily if you're not following him and you follow tesla what are you doing with your life please look him up immediately um shout out rob model 3 2021 so if you look all the way to the left this is the start of 2021 uh, which is basically in the middle of the pandemic before all the supply chain craziness went crazy so 2021 real wheel drive is 37,000. And then if you go all the way to the right, uh, which is the 2023 Jan week two, which is basically the price decreases that have just happened, you can see that the real wheel drive is uh, up to $43,000. And so the first column, the first column after that, so the second to last column where it says 6,000 on the first one is the percentage change since the beginning of the period. And then the sec the last column in the red with the minus 1,000 is the percentage change versus 2022. So green means the price is up and red means the price is down. What's interesting here is that you have the Model 3 performance is actually cheaper versus two years ago. The Model 3 long range is expensive only by about more expensive by about $3,000. The Model Y long range is more expensive by about 3000 bucks, but the Model Y performance is cheaper by 3000 bucks. The Model S and X, you know, you can look at those are low volume, very, very different class of vehicle. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Kuba. Remember that those are just nominal values and we had inflation in between. You got it. So the, so the inflation would have been, so between 2021, what is that, 9%? Roughly, all in, 10%-ish. So... Yeah. So it's really it's really inflation. <laughs> it's really inflation. So the question becomes, okay, where's where's the where's the cost advantage from the bottom if they're gonna be able to make make it into margins? So um, but this was an interesting thing. So we're essentially back to pre-COVID levels-ish, call it, but with a lot more um know-how in manufacturing and material sourcing and all that stuff. So anyway, just wanted to give a shout out to Rob for putting this together. Thank you very much, sir. Uh any last thoughts before we go into extended QA? Yeah, I wanted to use this forum to to plead to the Tesla community um, with regards to the questions that we vote on for on say.com for Q4 earnings, because it's lining up to be one of the most exciting, I think, earnings discussions uh, in the in the recent history. So just please make sure that you vote on sensible questions that allow us to go deeper into understanding what actually happened with those price cuts, how, how this will affect us in the future, rather than voting on when buyback, right? Because that's not really that important at that stage. <clears throat> Although I'm worried that maybe they will not be that keen to answer in-depth questions because they will say, yeah, we have the investor day coming in March, so that's when we'll answer. Hopefully, not all of those insightful questions will be answered like that. I think I think anything related to what they did in the last few weeks will 100% be question will be answered because if they don't answer those questions, it's going to look very bad on them because then they're not really giving guidance and that's a problem. <laughs> so I do think a lot of those will be questioned. But maybe if it's something specific around the buyback, then well, we're not ready to announce it yet. What about the Gen Three platform? We're not ready to announce yeah. it yet. But right? we have but to take charge of that because we can count really on the analysts to ask good questions, as we know. Yeah, there you go, Ishan. Thank you very much for the uh, for the hundred rupee uh, one dollar. Uh, donation towards the somebody's Model X plaid. <laughs> I was going to say is that, you know, you guys did a uh, spaces with Elon. That would be another great use of that space. Have Elon come on and explain the price cuts and do it outside of the, the 
the earnings and do it separately. Because I thought when he was in that space, he was very relaxed and he was very good at communicating uh, what he was trying to communicate. That'd be great. Yeah, Twitter spaces happen all the time and Elon does seem to like randomly show up at, at some of them. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome. There's always a, some sort of Tesla space going on. So if that happens, um, you'll, you know, I'll be live streaming that for everybody to be able to see it. Um, Hans, anything before we go into Q&A? No? Okay. All right. Extend the Q&A. We're going to do this for half an hour because I know there's a lot of questions, a lot of comments. We'll throw them around and see what we got. Um, yeah, go ahead and post the poll results, uh, producer wife as well. I forgot we did a poll. <laughs> go ahead and uh, post those when you get a chance. In the meantime, we're entering the Q&A session of the live stream. If you have any questions, post them. Thank you so much for the 1,500 people on right now. Make sure you hit the like button. Subscribe if you want to see more stuff from us. Consider becoming a patron or a part of YouTube Live or, or YouTube subscription if you want to be part of these panels on Friday. And then after we're done here, we're going to take it to Discord on our private Discord and continue the discussion there and talk about whatever else comes up. So thank you all of those that are supporting the channel. Uh, and then once producer wife gets the uh, poll results here, will you buy a Tesla within 90 days due to these price decreases? 61% say no, 38% say yes. Poll completed 306 votes. So about a third of the respondents from the chat will be buying a Tesla based on the recent price decreases. Awesome. Thank you very much. Good data set. Very good data set to have. All right. Let's do some questions and put up uh, some awesome tunage in the background. And uh, we'll get started. Hey. MC, question. What is the impact on potential Cybertruck pricing? Yeah, I mean, we, we touched on it a little bit. Hans, did you want to sort of continue your thought process there on, on this topic? I think it might be worth exploring a little bit more. Uh -oh. um, I Yeah, so I think we saw the entry-level price at, what was it, 40? And then it jumped up to 60 for a dual and 70 for a tri-motor. Um, I would expect probably, you know, I, I don't even know if at first they'll offer, honestly, I don't know that they're going to offer that single motor variant period. Um, just, I would be surprised. They don't offer a lot of the base model trims that they used to offer in the late 19 like 2019 2020 there were base model variants that are no longer available and i would be surprised if they become available again anytime soon and especially you know on the cyber truck i think they're going to be so backlogged with their orders um that they're not gonna feel any pressure to actually release that variant anytime soon um there's a lot of speculation on what the ultimate top level trim is going to be. Will it be a tri-motor still? Will it be a quad motor? There's been discussion about, um, yeah, Elon has said that the, the product has improved since unveiling. So we'll see on that. But anyways, all that said, I anticipate base model will be somewhere in the 55000 to $60,000 range, um, but not be available anytime soon. Entry price for the top will probably be maybe $80,000 since they have that $80,000 cap to get the tax credit. And then maybe seventy dollars for the next one down. Um, this is just, yeah, pulling numbers out of my butt and 
but with the thing that we talked about earlier, now that they have that, there's not only the tax credit, but then the battery manufacturing credit. If these batteries are somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 to 200 kilowatt hours, which I think is pretty reasonable, um, you know, it could even be larger than a 200 kilowatt hour battery pack for the Cybertruck. You're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of 3000 to potentially as high as $7,500 just in battery credit that would be straight to the bottom line for Tesla as well that allows them to you know have quite a bit of pricing power here. So I think I think what the the beautiful thing about these price decreases on the Cybertruck is that now we have uh, something that we can use as a barometer to see where they're coming in because Tesla is uh, apples to apples cheaper than the competition now for what the performance they offer. So theoretically, Cybertruck is going to do the same. I mean, that I think that's a very reasonable assumption to make. So I, I posted a link, producer wife, in the private chat for the F one fifty Lightning um, um, build page, and so this is going to be a very good way to gauge where Cybertruck's going to land. If you control, uh, hold control and uh, scroll in so we can zoom in a little bit better. Thank you very much. So the Pro, which is the base model, starts at 55. Uh, can you do view details on that sucker on the work hard, play hard uh, Ford F-150 Lightning? By the way, we saw one in the person for the first time. It looks kind of sick. I'm not going to lie. It's a cool looking car. Um, so EPA estimated range of 230 miles. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So the base model F-150 has a 230 miles of range. Uh, it's a crew cab. So it means that, you know, the, basically that the, the where people sit is large. And um, probably two engines or two... Or is it single motor? Can you scroll down a little bit? I think it's single motor. I don't even think this one's dual. Oh, no, dual. Okay. Dual motor, 250... Okay, so cool. So, the, so if Tesla were to come out with a single motor base battery it's going to be somewhere under fifty-five thousand, so probably closer to fifty thousand, if i were to guess somewhere between 50 to fifty-five thousand. let's go ahead and then let's go look at the uh dual motor longer range trim the the lowest one they have which i believe it's probably click on the xlt view details that might still be a what's the battery range on that it's the same Okay, so it just builds up. It just adds additional stuff versus the Pro. Okay, so we need to go to the next one for the extended battery. So go ahead and click on uh, Lariat. Are these all 230 miles of range? Scroll down. Keep going. Really? Go to the go to the last one. I thought this these cars have more than 230 miles of range. What am I missing here? Am I missing something? What are you seeing? Two thirty on this page. So, so go to the very first one, producer wife. Maybe we need to. Maybe we need to upgrade the uh, the battery pack. Yeah, it says two hundred and thirty miles. So start your build for the pro. Oh, oh, okay. Oh shit, eighty thousand. Damn. Okay, eighty five thousand, and then the platinum just comes standard with the with the thing. Yeah, so the XLT with the extended range battery is at 80,000. And then click on view details again for that, for the XLT. And so this one has dual scroll down, signature front lighting as a feature. Fantastic. It has headlights. 360 camera, interior work surface, available extended battery, range battery, which we've included. Okay. Yeah, so my guess would be a Cybertruck with a uh, dual motor, call it long range. 
it's going to be some somewhere under 80,000 uh, which would which would completely demolish this car because it's probably going to get significantly more range and better performance unfortunately it's still a great car but okay yeah the platinum the top spec is 98,000 96,000 but yeah okay what do you guys think about that one when we, when we put in comparison to the F-150 Lightning? I have a completely different view on this. I don't yeah. think they're going to change the prices at all. I think there's too much demand. And if they don't charge a premium for the Cybertruck, that they're not going to ever be able to produce enough of them. I think they are going to come out at first, like every other product, they're going to be charging a premium price to reflect the demand. And then eventually they'll lower the price as demand is met. But at first the production is going to be low and it's not going to service the, and what are they, like a million and a half uh, reservations? Just, yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, maybe they're going to produce 10,000 this year. I'm, I'm speculating, but maybe in 2023, you produce 10,000. If you charge 50, you know, if you don't charge enough money, it's going to be a problem. That's what part of me says is like, is, does Tesla know they're going to be able to make ridiculous margins on the Cybertruck and that's why they, they're willing to lower the prices so much? Because they'll be able to make it up at the end. Because I mean, if you really think, if you take Elon for his word, he said, we're looking to make this truck to be the same cost as a Model 3 in manufacturing. That implies about a thirty dollars to $35,000 cost basis for the car, maybe closer to $40,000. They're selling these things at $80,000, that's a 50% margin on the car. And if they're selling a hundred to two hundred thousand of these every a year, it's a lot of money. <laughs> That's so a do forty thousand margin. Sorry, go ahead. Good. I was gonna say, do y'all think that there will be a Cybertruck plaid? I think like, so. Will that be the top trim? Okay, if they if they do plaid, it's obviously gonna be well above eighty thousand dollars. I think the Model X is in the neighborhood of what one hundred and thirty or forty right now. They lower the price. Yeah, but definitely over a hundred k, I think, for the flat yeah. truck. Let me see. I'm pulling up the uh, the Model X Plaid right now. Uh, I would say one thing that one nineteen. Yeah, I would say I hope that they match the specs of the F one fifty in terms of the onboard power and hopefully even V two X vehicle to grid or vehicle to load. So that's That'd something cool. that they will be missing compared to all the other competitors. Yeah. All right. Let's do the next question. Let's try to hit as many as we can. It's just the Cybertruck one is so fascinating because the implications here are just so weird. Uh, Tony, question. What do you think would happen if to stock price if at some point energy posts larger margins than auto? Say energy reaches 20% margin and auto declines to 18% margin, for example. Richard, you're very excited. Go ahead. What, what do you think? It'd be great. I mean, the energy business is unlimited. Why not? Let's go for it. Uh, that's like uh un it's not even factored into the valuation right it doesn't so we still sell 10 million cars at 18 percent, and then the energy business that is not accounted for at all is doing 20 percent. uh i think we're doing okay at that point hans kuba i think it's a long enough growth story that i I just don't know how it would impact the stock price specifically because I don't think most analysts have a long enough time horizon for it to be a large, like it's such a small portion of the business right now that even at those margins, they'll be like, yeah, it's still no, like it's still no net profits in comparison to the size of the company. Um, 
Now, I think that, yeah, what that means for the long term is huge and incredible. But I don't, like I said, I don't know what that would mean for the stock price. I unfortunately don't have that crystal ball. Yeah, Kuba? Yeah, I would hope that uh, they actually scale that up soon with the new factories that are focused specifically on Megapack production. So I'm hoping yeah. that, uh, yeah, it, uh, if the margin improve and then the volume grows quite quickly as well, it might quite uh, rapidly become a very important line on the on the balance sheet. Yeah. Or rather the profit statement. Yeah. yeah. I think you were, you were saying that, you know, because there's a bunch of those peaker plants that can come offline. And there's like, I think a thousand of them in just the United States that can all be replaced by megapacks. And um, so I just think it's like a huge international market when obviously energy is deficient and energy grids are obviously deficient. Yeah. I think for anyone who wants to deep dive on this, definitely go back and watch the live stream that Farzad did with Matt Smith this week. It was absolutely excellent. And so it helps you to understand the um, basically the market dynamics behind power providers and some of the things that they're going to use to make decisions on whether or not to make these purchases. So, yeah, just want to make Appreciate that shout that. out. Yeah, that that uh, Matt is such a wealth of knowledge for energy. And I and I, I told him, I was like, you're going to be a very busy man in 2023 because you're going to be getting a lot of questions. But yes, on my channel on Wednesday, we did a call. Uh, a, call and there was a clip from it as well talking about tesla margins energy margins that i posted yesterday as well so if you want a shorter bite size that kind of encapsulates the potential here you have that as well but thank you hans next question n and m question which legacy auto company will go bankrupt first boy this is a fun one um very well lead and it will matter yeah mary mary would lead gm into bankruptcy for sure uh let's see uh this is such a weird question here's the th here's the deal i don't want anyone to go bankrupt that's that's the sad part of this right i don't want any of these car companies to go bankrupt it's just the writing is on the wall for all of these so in my opinion and i'll go first in my opinion i think the first legacy auto company that will go bankrupt first has to be one that has the highest debt load and lowest capability of um ramping up ev production that has the most the slowest culture and the least percent chance of being bailed out by its local government so that's the equation that i'm using so but the two that come up to me it, it's gm is one for sure um ford is trying and they'll probably get bailed out because they've never been bailed out before uh gm has been bailed out already i'm gonna go gm i'm gonna say gm what do you guys think I'm going to go with Stellantis for Ooh. 600, for 600, please. I think you're right. Hans Kuba. Yeah, I think that would have been my guess as well, that GM's in too tight with the government. Stellantis doesn't have a government attached to it that is large enough to help float them. So, you know, somebody like well, Toyota is basically, is big, you know, mm, are they that big though? French and Italian, so you know you can combine two and some input from the Americans as well. But realistically, guys, do you think that somebody actually go bankrupt quite soon, or would they rather be acquired? Well, understand by, by the way, there's 
if you can go bankrupt and come out of bankruptcy. So they would not probably dissolve. They would reorganize. So they would renegotiate right. all the debts and they would renegotiate their labor contracts and they would reappear. So I don't think they're going to really go out of business, but I think they'll come out in a different form and maybe with different ownership. Yeah, because even even in a scenario where they do combine, you have to really think about when, when you do, say, do an M&A and uh, you're trying to, say, combine Stellantis with Toyota or something, somebody is going to be somebody's going to be footing the bill for a bunch of assets and debt that's tagged to legacy cars. And that is a giant drag on your business. So somebody's going to be willing to say, yep, I'll take that on. I don't think that's going to happen. So that's why I think I think bankruptcy will will be filed and then it will be it will be. Um, under that scenario, then maybe they're purchased by somebody else and sort of, you know, rejigger their assets or uh, maybe what in the case of Ford, I know in Q1, which is going to be super fascinating to watch, they've now divided, they're going to divide their electric and gas car businesses. They're going to report those separately. So we're going to get some insight into how these are being like uh, sort of accounted for. Uh, so it's going to be super interesting to track. But yeah, it, it's going to be, that's how I see it uh, playing out. Um, I was going to say, also, you know, their models are service-based, so they're making their money right. on service. So when they switch to electric that are going to require less service and they're going to generate less money post-sale, that's another problem. They, you know, they don't, they can't pick up that extra margin after the fact. Yeah. Next question. Gino, channel member, thank you very much for your support. Question, playing devil's advocate. What would convince customers, consumers to buy a BEV over a PHEV given price drops and IRS EV tax credits? Yeah, uh, that's that's sort of the the one thing that we were discussing earlier where um, hybrids could theoretically still have an advantage versus EVs because of them getting the IRS tax credit. The question really becomes within that context, who has the highest volume, right? So even if... Even if, you know, in this case, Toyota can't take advantage of this tax credit. It's only like a few EVs or, or hybrids that can take advantage of this tax credit as it stands right now because of how it's written. And a lot of those cars are not high volume cars. They're maybe 50,000 a year. Whereas the Model Y, Tesla could theoretically ship a million cars in the U.S. next year if they, if they really wanted to. That would take advantage of this EV tax credit. So even if folks wanted to buy a competitive EV that, that would take advantage of this tax credit, there won't be enough of them because Tesla has the volume. So it might not matter in the end. How do you guys think about this? I was going to say, so I'm in California. Uh, we just went through, you know, last year, gas at seven bucks a, a gallon. You know, so the PHEVs are great, you know, for their tiny batteries. I still have to get gas and I just went through it. It sucked. Gas is really expensive. I think that was kind of, I mean, we just had the example. We just learned a lesson. I mean, I think he'll be right. Like a lot of people will purchase the plug-in hybrids. Um, but as far as what would convince them to come over to Bev, it's obviously going to be user experience of not just Bev, but specifically Tesla's. So the charging infrastructure, not having to go to the gas station, being able to charge at your house every night, and then an actual 2022-2023 interior technology experience that is unparalleled in any other vehicle. Um, you know, you can't get into any other car and actually have it feel like an iPad on wheels. And that's what a Tesla feels like. And so, you know, if you want a modern car, 
And also, if you want the future of cars, well, you'll be driving a BEV. If you're just cost conscious and you're in an area where gas is not that expensive and now you've got these plug-in hybrids that get a little bit better gas mileage and they're super cheap, well, yeah, you might still get a plug-in hybrid. So I think those are kind of going to be the, the tipping points. Great. Next question. I would say that especially oh, sorry, uh, if this is a long purchase, then people won't be that easily convinced to go with old technology if they plan it for a few years ahead. So that also will be a, a tailwind for BEV. Good call. Next one. Uh, Ed, thank you so much. $10 super chat. Appreciate you, brother. Could increasing FSD take rate due to recent universal access to FSD beta and even better version 11, plus exploiting sales growth be Tesla's profit margin superpower? Absolutely. I think that's that's a variable that uh, not often discussed because uh, Elon has, um, let's just say nobody takes him seriously when it comes to FSD timelines anymore. And uh, But it he does execute, right? Over time, he absolutely executes. So it's a question of when. If FSD becomes the powerhouse this year to be able to actually be taken on by people and say, yeah, that's worth paying for. Of course, it's going to unlock a giant amount of margin. Um, any any sort of additional insights from you guys? How are you guys thinking about this? I was wondering what happens if they never do, and but they, they uh, license it out. So in essence, they do what they thought they were going to do. Somebody else creates it. They license it out. They still put it in their vehicles. They still charge for it. I was thinking like, you know, we always presume that FSD is only is like unilateral, but I think it's bilateral, just the amount that they'll be able to make on it. Hans? Yeah, I think it depends on whether or not you believe Elon. You know, I still love the quote that he gave during the Tim Dodd uh, interview. Their superpower is taking the impossible and delivering it late. Well, even if they deliver FSD late, you know, the installed base is growing. The more units there are that are FSD capable and the better the product experience upon full delivery, the more they'll be able to earn off of it. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I've definitely been beating this drum. I think there's an incredible amount of recurring SaaS revenue that is just waiting for the software to reach full safety maturity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then this monthly recurring revenue will do also wonders for the valuation. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the eye-opening moment here. So my dad bought a Model 3 used uh, last year. It was a 2018, I believe, 2019. And he had full self-driving already purchased on the car. And then this, like, what is it, four-year-old... Uh, close to five-year-old used model three he got fsd beta and then he turned it on while he was away and he was just mind blown he's like i can't believe my car drives itself now I'm like yeah welcome to tesla it's just the beginning it's crazy i mean it really is crazy it's so exciting let's do one more and then we'll move, move over to the uh, private discussion in our private discord uh question eu tax credit how big impact can that do for tesla as tesla has factory in germany um I'm not super familiar with the EU tax credits. I know uh, manufacturers get some. Cuba uh, uh, is our, our, our EU representative. Are you familiar with any yeah, of these? I don't think there's a, there's a global, uh, I mean, for the whole EU, any incentives country dependent. Okay. Maybe, maybe the question is about importing them from Europe to the States and if they will get the tax credit, but possibly not. 
No, I don't yeah. know what what what, uh, what is meant by the EU tax credit. Yeah. Um. Sorry, sweet Hunt. Maybe we're having. I don't know, Hans, Richard. Do you guys know? I'm, I'm assuming you probably. I just know that there's been some discussion about the EU having to implement some sort of a tax credit to be competitive with the U.S. market. Um, but yeah, there's no clarity from my understanding about what structure that might take and how much it might be. Um, and without that, it, it's really hard to say. But obviously, the one thing that we all know is that Tesla will be in the best position to take advantage of whatever that ends up being the same way that they are here in the United States, especially as Giga Berlin ramps and they have localized production there in Germany. Yeah, because yeah, the important thing is I think that there are still some import tariffs as well when, when the cars are sent from either China or States, which is completely bypassed if, if the cars come from Berlin. So that will be quite a boost. Yeah, Richard. I think and I think EU stands for European Union, if that helps. <laughs> oh, I don't get it. <laughs> I missed it. I'm just, maybe I'm just blanking here. But uh, thanks. <laughs> um, I was going to say something. I forgot. Damn it. That joke was so good. I just couldn't. You broke my brain. Anyway, thank you all so much. Uh, we're going to go to the private Discord now. If you want to uh, take part of these community forums on Friday, and uh, take part of the private discussion afterwards in our private Discord. Consider becoming a patron or signing up through YouTube right below this video, somewhere in the description. If you enjoy the discussion, please hit like. Uh, if you're enjoying the stream, subscribe if you want to see more uh, more of me more often with these wonderful folks on the panel. Thank you, everybody, in the comments section for keeping it respectful, uh, doing some great commentary uh, and uh, really going back and forth in a respectful manner. Uh, I saw a comment in the start section and my uh, free for free speech or for uh, for a censorship. It's what a silly question. What do you think? <laughs> but I'm not for jerks. That's the big thing here. And that's one thing one thing I've noticed. Uh, as of late, since the stock has taken a beating, as I've noticed some toxicity in the community. And I encourage everybody to be open about how you feel, but be respectful of uh, the other party that's conversing with you. I think it's very important to remind ourselves that there's always a human behind the screen or behind the keyboard. And and the the more often we keep that in mind, the better for, for good discussion and valuable discussion for the community so all of us can benefit from it. Uh, let's not uh, let's discuss the ideas. Let's turn the ideas apart. Let's really, you know, get it, get into the ideas and figure them out. But I don't think it's ever OK to turn into a, per, uh, a person uh, from a personal standpoint. I just don't think that's that's a silly way of, of creating a bridge between humans. So uh, anyway, off my uh, off my uh, pulpit here. So thank you all so much. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Hans. Thank you, Kuba. Thank you, everybody. Off to this where we go. Take it easy, everybody. Bye bye.